When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Bel Air Season 2, Episode 2, Speaking Truth is over, but we are just getting started here on Bel Air, a post-show recap. It's Chappelle, I'm back, and I'm excited to talk about the most recent episode of the show that put Peacock on the map, Bel Air, and with me, my co-host, the person I would always let take the final shot at the buzzer in the basketball game, it's Puya, y'all. Puya, what's happening? What uh, I don't know if I should take that as a compliment or you're calling me Kirk because I don't I don't mess with Kirk. So you calling no, me Kirk? No, 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 no. I said you clutch, baby. You, you, I know I can count on you in the, in the last second. Steph Curry with a shot. Yeah, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited. Powerful episode two. We're two for two so far on my enjoyment level on the episode. So we we can get into it right away. We got some predictions right. So I'm excited to talk about them. Yeah, it's Puya Doncic. We got a lot of things to talk about. It's going to be a good time. So uh, thank you all, again, for listening and following along with Puya and I while we discuss the second season. Remember, you can always send us feedback on Twitter at Puyaism at Chappelle's underscore show, or you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If we see the five-star review, my goal is to read it on the podcast so we can acknowledge that you are po- uh, people who we are podcasting for. You know, Puya and I would gladly talk about this show every week on our own, just the two of us, but uh without you the listeners we wouldn't be on this platform doing so so thank you again our last review was uh from may of last year from xx Le- uh, lexi ann uh and it read something like the amazing duo i listened to Chappelle and puya blah 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 i named my kids after them it was great uh <laughs> but it's time it's season two baby give us more five-star reviews and tell us how much you like the podcast because it's going to help people find the podcast and get into all the things we're talking about and i cannot tell you all how much we appreciate that so keep them coming uh and then you can get your very own shout out on the podcast like xx Lexian. um puya before we jump in this episode uh yes no maybe how you feel uh, hell yes, it moved a lot of the plot forward. It set up some new storylines that we're going to tackle, some complex, some not so complex, but it was a good mover. And I feel like it was a strong episode two, which I'm happy about because it because episode two being really good and strong and moving the plot means that three, four, five, six, seven, there's plenty more episodes to go, which makes me happy. It wasn't a filler episode, so I like that. 
Yeah, the pacing is very fast. I do appreciate that, uh, especially because we know the season is very short. I'm always just, it's just a little jarring to me how quickly we move on to the next topic, right? Like we know last episode, we were like, oh, is, when is Will coming back? Well, he's back. And then this episode is like, when is Jeffrey coming back? Well, spoiler alert, we're here now. Jeffrey is back, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, dang, what's the intrigue of the season, Puya? Do you, do you know what the long-term storyline is going to be for the main characters at least? I mean, it looks like we're going to have a Doc versus Uncle Phil as a mm-hmm. as our like main event. And then the undercard is going to be Ivy versus Hillary. And then it's going to be Carlton versus his demons. Like we got a couple <laughs> a couple bouts coming here. Um, uh, Will versus the entire basketball team and the coach. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then and then obviously uh, Miss Hugh, Miss Hughes, Ashley, the teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. versus the school. So we have a lot of story. Oh, and and of course the co-main event of Aunt Viv versus Reed Broderick. Yes, so. the one we've all been dying to see. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think I think that does outline all the storylines that we have in front of us right now. We're gonna get into that, of course, in just a moment. But I I will I'll, I'm gonna mention this now. I'm just gonna flag it right now, and then at the end of the podcast, I'll probably ask you about it again. But I feel like the stakes were higher last season. Um. You know, we started off with a like gang violence and stuff. So I'm really trying to, I really wonder if they're going to be able to meet those high highs like they did last season, Puyo. I mean, it'll be interesting to see because, yeah, last year we started off all full on all cylinders, right? Mm-hmm. We had the gang violence, we had the scare. He literally moves for his own like safety. Mm-hmm. And then we had people maybe following him to LA. Like there was a lot of intrigue of, oh my God, is Will even safe? Yeah. Will's safe now. He looks to be completely fine as far as his life being in danger goes. So any other plot line outside of that obviously is not going to hit as strongly or feel like it's as high stakes. Now, that being said, we are supposed to feel like Will is closer to getting to college and his basketball stuff is definitely a make or break for his college by the, by the way I'm seeing it. And um, we do not know how strong, evil, whatever you want to call it, Doc is. So maybe the stakes get higher quickly in episode four five six whatever but i agree with you for right now we're not in as dire straits as we were season one episode two yeah it just feels different last episode we resolved the first part of a mini layered problem but now will is back in the home and the banks family is almost whole but this episode we did have to address the other missing piece of the puzzle um and we will address that right after a word from our sponsor we'll be right back Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And we're back. So the episode starts with Will putting on a show on the court. Um, this is what Will does best, right? He is the Fresh Prince, but he also is a baller uh, from West Philly. 
he's in his bag, right? The energy in the gym is electric. Bel Air Academy is down by one point. The game is approaching the end. You know, the lights are dimming. The crowd is yelling. Everything is great. Everyone is watching. Uncle Phil's there. And Viv's there. Doc is there. And he's a basketball scout. Even Jeffrey is there. I'm like, okay. Is Jeffrey just there for the game? Is he is he there for protection? You know, Jeffrey being basically a secret agent makes me question anytime he pops up randomly, Puyo. Yeah, you can't tell if he's there on not duty because he's obviously laid off, but mm. is it like you can't shake off the work and he's going back to the job side of like, I gotta <laughs> protect Will, I gotta protect the family. Yeah, I think this was a half and half of yes, he's still protecting Will because we do learn in this episode a little bit more about him having feelings about not being around his son so maybe will is kind of like by proxy his son in a way but mm. also i think jeffrey knows the cards he's playing he's like i know uncle phil's gonna be there i'm gonna get a seat right across from him so he has to look at me he has to acknowledge me and also pull up the heartstrings a little bit it does work right like when i saw jeffrey i was like oh jeffrey's there damn go come talk sit to with him, us phil. yeah, yeah. Go talk. just text him <laughs> damn stop being stubborn phil um, but that's a great point we saw in the first episode that uh will went to jeffrey and jeffrey was the one who said okay will is struggling right now we know this um you know now is a good time for y'all to go get him back so jeffrey could be potentially keeping an eye out for will's safety or he also could be just like you know, may, you know him and Will bonded. Maybe he just wants to see. And then maybe a little tiny part is like, maybe the family will be here and take me back in. Um, you know, uh, it probably, you know, be, I'm sure Jeffrey could get a job anywhere, but the Banks' house kind of seems a little cushy. So I think uh, that's where I would want to be if I was in his position. Um, so Aunt Viv ur urges Uncle Phil to talk to Jeffrey, but of course he's stubborn. And he says, I'll, I'll text him eventually. And, and when they do meet, Uncle Phil tells Jeffrey that he knew how Uncle Phil would feel about what happened with uh, with Will, and he still did it. Now, I thought this line was crazy because it felt like Uncle Phil was being like, how could you go out of your way and do something against my wishes and potentially, you know, put Will in this situation where he has to deal with Lou and all this stuff? Like, how could you do that? And you knew that I would hate you for doing that, right? And then he spins it like, but if you knew I would hate you for doing that, then you must have had a really good reason to do it. And I was like, okay, Uncle Phil, uh, Puya, I wasn't ready for that one. I, th I really thought I was going in a different direction. Uncle Phil, in two straight episodes, has had to mend fences with two people by fully taking the L on it and kind of seeing their perspective, which I don't think he's wrong by doing. I think he was in the wrong for both the things that had happened. I think realizing that, yeah, Jeffrey would never go against my word unless he truly believes something was afoot and something had to have happened. And I mean, was it wrong? No. Jeffrey set it up. He meets, Will meets Lou. Will and Lou not on the same page. And now at least Will knows the truth and also still ends up feeling the same way about his pop. So nothing changes there only makes it so that they have a clean honest open slate moving forward yeah it's like he had to rip the band-aid off and jeffrey did apologize and see that's the thing when it came to will i don't think will really owed uncle phil an apology at all like is this uncle phil you messed this up for him you know y'all mm -hmm. been lying to him since he was a child jeffrey apologized already uncle phil was just too stubborn to acknowledge it so i think once he finally came around it was clear that he could say even though I disagree with what you did, I understand why you would do it because you clearly care about Will. Uh, Jeffrey has been struggling with his own arrangement, which I'm not quite sure what it is. Like he calls it an arrangement. He can't see his son, but he chose the arrangement. Puya, where is this kid? 
where is this kid and what is he dealing with? Because yeah, what is this situation that we're supposed to see that is so bad that he had to sacrifice seeing his son to be here and it was the right choice, but then they can pick up Will from Philly and bring him in to keep him safe. I feel like the Banks house has enough room for one more son. Well, why can't he be here with us? What is that story? Are we going to get that payoff this season? That's my big question. No, that's a great question because, you know, the first season, not to be disrespectful to the show because I do love this show, but the first season they made the Will had a gun one time, like the biggest thing, right? It was such mm-hmm. a big deal. You would have swore he shot 15 people the way they were acting. Like, you are, like, you you got in so much trouble back there in, in Philly. You like, I guess, like, oh, I really just defend. It was like self-defense. Like, a decent lawyer could have got him out of that situation. Like, you didn't have to be the DA or somebody running for district attorney to get him out of that. Um, so I'm thinking maybe it's not that big of a deal but dear god this scene between jeffrey and uncle phil and just the electricity between them while uncle phil is trying to apologize for will but then also trying to acknowledge how uh how hurt jeffrey was by his son's situation jimmy akingbala who plays jeffrey was acting because i went from thinking oh his son lives out the country or something or with his mom to thinking, oh no, we gotta fix this. Like I believe in every fiber of my being that we have to get Jeffrey reunited with his kid, Puya. A hundred percent. I just feel like you cannot now, after seeing the raw emotion from Jeffrey, not give us the hug moment, reunite moment mm-hmm. with him and his son. You just cannot. It's it'd be evil if you didn't give that to us. So we're waiting. Well, we need it though. It's like you made this big deal about Jeffrey being a father, and it's like, okay, are we never gonna talk about it again? And you know, I think. I think that might be the big storyline. I don't I don't know what it means. I don't know how impactful it could be, but it's got to be something huge because I'm talking about he has the tears in his eyes. He's got Uncle Phil apologizing, begging him to come back home. And for a second, Jeffrey kind of hits him with the, I mean, I thought I was just an employee since you, you know, fired me and put me out. And Uncle Phil's like, no, it's not like that. And they sit there and they have a cigar together in silence. And this is when I'm like, okay. I think they've making back up. I think like I think the nation is healing, Puya. I think so. It's a step in the right direction at the very least. Yeah. And later, Jeffrey is back home in time to see the kids out for school. So we did it. Look at that. Cut quick and dry, quick and dry. Like it was like <laughs> in and out. You know, we thought, oh, uh, how long are they gonna drag the Jeffrey storyline out? Not at all. Actually, uh, I think we're gonna move on to something bigger and better, Puya. Yeah, I mean, I think with 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 this quick movement of Jeffrey back in the house. That might give us a hint that Uncle Phil's going to need Jeffrey for this doc showdown. It feels like that's where we're headed, where Mm. Jeffrey's the reinforcement that needed to come back at the right time right before this. Because I don't think they wanted it to feel like Uncle Phil realizes I need Jeffrey. And then Jeffrey's like, oh, now you need me or whatever. This is like they clean the slate. And without realizing Uncle Phil made the best possible move for whatever this thing with doc is going to be is. Yeah, I like to I like to keep Jeffrey as like uh like you break glass in case of an emergency, you know. Yes. Um and so now that he's back, I think he needed that backup. But um I guess there's more of that to come later on. Uh the Will storyline is fun though. Uh he is making the conscious effort to play team basketball. We see him in the first scene where, you know, they're doing the basketball, Je- you know, uh everybody's looking and the game is tight, it's close. The coach says, "You've been getting double teamed all game, baby." We got to pass the ball. You got to pass the ball. We got to get somebody else open. And to his dismay, he does exactly what the coach tells him. He passes the ball, and they lose the game. And this is in front of Doc, the scout, 
Puyo, was this the right move from Will? And more specifically, what would Kobe Bryant do? Okay, so when he went for the jumper, he's in midair. It's mm-hmm. a catch and release. He's about to release. I genuinely thought he was going to go for it and probably miss, and that's where we're going. But mm-hmm. then he passed it to wannabe Kyle Korver, Kurt, yeah. who fully fumbles the basket, fumbles a hole. Why are you pulling a three-pointer when you're behind one point? Why? Why? You, why? And and it doesn't seem like you're you're hot on the basket, on the bucket <laughs> either. So to me, once he's in midair like that and he's got the clear shot, why didn't he take it? It made no sense to me. Obviously, he's listening to the coach here mm-hmm. and he's trying to go for the win by passing it to Kirk. But hey, Kirk cannot. Kirk is not a three-point specialist out here. He's not. He just didn't he fumbled this huge. And to me, this reminded me of, you know, the um, do you remember the scene in Fresh Prince where mm-hmm. it's Carlton and Will and the seconds are going down? Carlton yes. wrestles the ball off Will and then just yeets it <laughs> and yes. misses the basket completely. I can, this was that. I can see the grin on Carlton's face, you know, like where he thought he was going to make it and then it doesn't yeah. go in. Yeah. Ooh, iconic. Do you is there any way we get Carlton on the basketball team? You know, just just throwing it out there. I mean, listen, you this team feels like it's lacking. You know, he's being double teamed every every play. Mm-hmm. Carlton showed some showed a showed a bit of a streak with, with the polo with the not polo lacrosse. Sorry. Yeah. So he can be your heavy. He can he can pull screens for you. He can make that happen. I mean, I think the height might come against them, but this team without Will would not even be in contention for the playoffs. So the idea that in a clutch moment you're not even if he's getting to, if Kobe's getting double teamed, he's still going for it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's it's very obvious that Will should be taking this shot, and he ends up approaching Doc to explain to him what happened. You know, like, I would have done it. I promise. I put it. I would have put the game away, but Coach told me to go in a different direction, and Doc doesn't want to hear it. He says we only care about winning, and you should have chosen to be a winner. Like, and that was and that was a moment you had a choice. Should have picked winning. And so, of course, this is not what Will wants to hear. He's broken up about it. Uh, he's on the he's on the ledge, you know. And Uncle Phil has to go upstairs and talk to him. And he's telling him he understands how painful it is to lose, considering he did just lose that election. But he also correctly understands that this might have something to do with Doc. You know, like he's upset, but he does want to know what this Rich Paul wannabe <laughs> scout <laughs> and uh, like what he wants with Will and and why um, you know, and how Will wants to impress him, right? So. Will says it's important for him to impress Doc so that he can potentially get a scholarship for school or end up in the NBA. And while this sounds good, Uncle Phil wonders what's in it for Doc. And why does he want to be all up in Will's business? Like, uh, Puya, it's very clear that the, the banks has got money. If they want to put Will through college, he's going to college. So the scholarship isn't that necessary. Like, I'm sure Will just wants to make money for himself, which is fine. Like, he likes his independence. But what's in it for Doc is the question of the episode. What's in it for Doc? And I think that is Doc wants to ride Will to the moon. Mm -hmm. I think Doc recognizes. And again, we don't know much about Doc, which is why I think he's the big mystery of the season. What, What I think Doc recognizes is that, okay, Will's got the talent. That's good and all. If I get in good with Will, I get in good with the Bankses. And then moving from there, I can make some money through the Bankses. Because at the end of the day, Will's got articles about him that they clearly saw. So Will has some name attachment to him. Uncle Phil has some name attachment. Hillary's an influencer. Has some like this. This family has brand, has notoriety. 
So if I am a part of the success story, I can benefit from it. I say this again, not having seen the rest, we don't know because that doesn't seem all that evil to me. That just seems like an opportunistic mentor that's trying to get, you know, get that bag when he can. But something tells me that's not all it is. So we'll see. It needs to be more than that. It does. Um, at school, Will and Carlton even discussed the game because it's still bothering them. And Carlton tells him, why don't you just go talk to the coach and tells him, tell him how you feel about getting the ball in these clutch situations. Um, at school, Will goes to take a leadership role on the team by, after the game, kind of pulling his team aside and, and you know, dishing out some tough love, I guess I'd say. He's just very passionate. You know, he tells him, if you see somebody messing up, uplift them, tell them to do better. And if you see somebody who's not playing to the best of their ability, like, you know, kind of help them out because this is a team sport. He has some big main character energy here, Puya. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, but these other players are, are fed up. Kirk, who missed that shot, who really has no business being that fed up. He's just tired of talking about the missed shot. Like, I'm sure he's heard about it from everybody in school. He's being ridiculed. He got memed. Uh, yeah, he's got memed. He's definitely viral and like and like small viral, baby viral, right? Um, and so he's lashing out at Will, feeling like this is an attack. And he says, "We're not your homies from the hood," which is racist, you know. Like, uh, like uh, didn't Kirk, feel great. Yeah, turn that down. Um, but he was really offended about this man up comment that Will made. Will basically said, "You know, if you're messing up, man up and do better." And uh, that does that's like that's not a great thing to say somebody either. You like you tell somebody you're less of a man because they're not doing well in basketball. Like that's not great. So I understand why Kirk was probably in his feelings. But um, this team is not going to go for Will's attitude. Like it's like he has passion about winning, and uh, you know, and that's great. But this is a team sport, Puyo. Like he might, like he said, he might be on the wrong team. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Will is coming in fully knowing that I'm probably a big factor into why we're performing the way we're performing and why these games are even close. I'm doing a lot. I'm putting up numbers. But then Doc reminded him last episode, like, yo, you went from like a 25 points a game average to 17. That is a dip. In my opinion, regardless of 17, still a good, respectable number, not good enough for you to be a standout star. So actively, he's trying to be selfish, but also trying to be a team player because obviously he passed the ball. The ball got missed. I don't think what Will's doing is wrong. Yes, there's some shades of you're not man enough if you don't do this. Mm -hmm. But I feel like his heart is in the right place by trying to say, listen, if we call each other out on our shit, if you perform poorly and I call you out, let that fuel you don't let that take you down but i think the team is fed up because again we look at it from the other side the team is probably sick of hearing will save them right you don't want to be secondary tertiary whatever to will's story and it's basically become the will show featuring the cast of the bel-air high school uh, basketball team so they're not happy with that either ultimately will leaves angry because they come let me just you know what might as well find another team I think it's half he knows he's the star of the team, but the other half is, well, I got to impress Doc and I can't do it here if now the team's against me and they're not going to pass me the ball when I need it. Yeah, he quiet quits here. So it's like he quit the team, but he didn't say the words. It's mm -hmm. kind of just like, I'm going to just stop coming to work, kind of. Um, so, you know, like I said, main character energy from our main character. Nothing shocking there. Um, but because he quits the basketball team, he has to reach out to Jackie, who is the young lady we speculated against. I mean, about uh, last episode or last podcast, you and I talked about this. Um, 
this young woman, we talked about her like potentially being Doc's daughter. Puya, you almost had it. So close. Niece. So close. So close. His niece. We don't find out in this portion of the episode. We'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, uh, we had some, uh, you know, some theories about who this was. And we weren't too far off. So, of course, we know that Will, um, Will does not know that this is, his, this is Doc's niece. Uh, and so he's calling her, basically, just to be like, you know, hey, I met you at the basketball court that time. You seem to know a lot about Doc. You think you can uh, put in a good word for me? And she is more like, so you really going to call to ask about my uncle? And I'm like, right here, you know, like, let's up, what's up? Let's date. Um, so the two agreed to end up meeting at an after hour spot later on that night. And I was like, wait, is this, this is a grown woman, right? Does she know Will is a child? Like, is he 18? I mean, he's supposed to be what? 17 on the cusp of 18 or 18. Yeah. 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 He's a baby. And you're trying to get him into an after hour spot, which I mean, trust me, it happens. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, Jackie, I don't know what's happening here. And so I want to put a pin in that because I know we kind of talked about some potential shenanigans later on. Uh, And so I do want to kind of, you know, like flag that when it's time to get to it. Um, But let's let's talk about Carlton. okay? we're going to stop right there on Will and we'll just double back when these two storylines cross. So Carlton is approaching Uncle Phil to discuss his anxiety medication. Now, we saw in the first season that he really does struggle with anxiety, amongst other things, probably some depression. But now he's saying the medication is causing him to lose sleep and struggle in school. Um, His anxiety medication is basically messing up his anxiety. So Uncle Phil promises that he and Aviv will go into the, the conversation with the psychiatrist, I guess, with an open mind and consider lowering his dosage. Puya, maybe I just don't trust Carlton because of the first season, but are you buying this? That Carlton needs off his meds because it's giving him a lot. I initially felt that way. Yeah, I was like, yeah, he's saying his grades are slipping. But then there were a couple Easter eggs throughout the episode, little crumbs that really showed that he was lying, right? Mm. He was lying. He was lying to, to his parents to get off the meds. Um, and we'll, we can explore why in a bit. But yeah, he fooled me. He had me in the first half. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and it's I, I just don't trust him. You know, I can't let go of that first uh, season stuff. You know, we never got any confirmed, um, like, we never found out if it was confirmed that uh, Carlton was on booger sugar or if he was doing some other type of substance. You know, we did see him snorting some things, but there were other options out there. But they never expressly said that Carlton was out here doing, doing you know, the, the coke, you know, the white girl. And so uh, I don't really trust him because I don't know what he'd be into, you know? And so this episode, when he says, let me come off the meds a little bit, I'm like, oh, do you need to? Do you need to come off the, the meds? So it's 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 tough because I have to keep such a, a close eye on him. Uh, Will and Carlton are at school, and we see that Carlton still has a good report with Yasmin, the uh, the girl that he uh, he met last episode. And kind of, you know, they kind of have eyes on each other. Uh, his former love interest, though, Lisa, ends up coming up to him and talking to him about the Bel Air Founders Award. Now, apparently Carlton got the perfect score on this calculus test. So Lisa can tell he's been on his game. And he's basically, if he could get this award, it's an automatic ticket to an Ivy League school. He could win the award if he gets nominated, make him the first black student to win the award in the history of Bel Air Academy. Uh, Lisa tells him that although she wants the, uh, to, she wants to be the, like a fourth generation at an HBCU, Howard, this could be the moment that Carlton uses to get into Princeton. Now, he said his grades were slipping and his anxiety was messing up his sleep. Puya, he's getting straight at, like he's getting aces on calculus tests. He was the only person 
who got the a perfect score on the calculus test. Is this shenanigans? Exactly. That's crumb number one. My grades are slipping. Exhibit A, you have such a good score that you can go for the Founders Award and have a shot of, you know, a, a one-way ticket to an Ivy school. Easy. So to me, you're putting on a front. That is interesting. Why are you putting on a front? I don't know. Now, this was interesting to me that Lisa comes in and talks to him. No Lisa and Will interaction this episode. It was all Lisa and Carlton. I think the predictions go in the right way, Chappelle. I think I think mm. Lisa and, and Carlton may rekindle potentially, or he's in a triangle with, with Yasmin also getting involved in some way. Yeah, we don't want that. Uh, let's just call it what it is. We just is. I'm not a fan of the Lisa Carlton thing. I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't want Will and Carlton to, again, I don't want them to beef. I We have so many other things going on that we just discussed. We do not need that reopened right now. Yeah, uh, Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv end up having their meeting with Carlton's doctor about his anxiety meds eventually, and because uh, Car- Carlton feels like it's time to start weaning himself off the meds. Uh, but the doctor even says that he says like Carlton's about to be an adult soon, and you won't be able to force him to do anything. So you might want to go ahead, start weaning him off now, start the process. So as opposed to like trying to make him come off the of meds on his own when he's an adult and can't do it without them. So they end up letting Carlton know that what they've agreed on is that he can lower his dosage as early as the next day. And he is so happy that he agrees to keep them to lose about his stresses and his triggers and his side effects. And this show is a drama, Puya, so I know that ain't going to happen. But we can dream, right? We can dream, but there's no way. There's no way this goes peachy. There's zero way. In fact, crumb number two will be the biggest indicator, and we'll get there when we get to the after-hour spot. Yeah, and before we even get to that, well, I'm going to go ahead and take a break right here because I do want to just slowly draw in some of the other players in the episode mm-hmm. before we get to that after-hour spot. So we'll be back right after this break. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest-growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Okay, and we're back. So we talked a little bit about Carlton and what he has going on, uh, but let's touch on the Ashley situation. Ashley is a person that we did say we wanted more content from last season, and it seems that the show was giving it to us. In Ashley's class, Miss Hughes talks about uh, book reports and explains to the students how to write about any topic. One student named Olivia, who I believe is little baby Karen, uh, she is looking at Ashley and Miss Hughes talk about potential other reading materials. And we we saw her in the first episode, you know, before Miss Hughes got reprimanded the first time. So Miss Hughes suggests a book for Ashley after class called I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. And I knew right then, Puya, that she had messed up. You knew. You knew this was the this was gonna be the straw that broke the camel's back, eh? Baby Karen was right there. You know, like saying I like, I don't like to pick on children, but Olivia is a super hater like dear god mind your damn business you know every time mrs hughes is sliding ashley uh, uh, a book uh, i almost said fucking yeah her fucking olivia is right there just hating <laughs> in the background like girl 
Mind your damn business. So yeah, I knew this was Miss Huge wasn't going to be long for this world. I just didn't think it would happen so fast because dear God, the next time we see her, she's fired. We escalating really quickly on this show because yeah, she passed two books to Ashley. That's all it took. And <laughs> to me, I don't see a problem with your teacher recommending you a book outside the curriculum that's not going to be a part of your class. Olivia is big narc energy. Mm-hmm. Just you know, don't be jealous that you don't have this connection with a teacher. It's like I want. You know what pisses me off and what pissed me off in school was mm-hmm. the teacher's pet that didn't like when other people would get along with the teacher or communicate with the teacher. Like, mm-hmm. how are you going to be territorial over someone who's running a class? Like, have a life. Touch yeah. grass. Please. Aren't there games on your iPad to play? <laughs> Don't you have a Nintendo Switch? Don't you have an entire island to take care of an Animal Crossing? What are you so pressed about? Right, girl, if you don't want to play with them Roblox and leave me the hell alone, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just, there's something about baby Karen. And I, look, I, who are, far be it for me to re, uh, wish uh, harm or like unpleasantries on a child. But baby Karen, you got to get what's coming to you. I don't know what it is. But I I hope it's annoying. You know, I hope like you get a paper cut and you can't fix it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that kind of thing. Uh it just she needs to be punished. I, I know it's I know this is you. Anyway, so I wasn't shocked at all when Ashley finds Miss Hughes leaving the school with her box of personal items in hand. She got the boot. And you know, I know what Ashley well enough, Puyo. Like this is Ashley is our activist of all the Banks family. We know Ashley's always gonna put her foot down and stand up for for what's for right. Um Puya, we know this isn't going to end here. She's got to say something. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. She's going to be the domino that falls to get something going on here in the form of change or rectifying this big mistake that the school has made for seemingly no damn reason. Right. So she goes to Aunt Viv and tells her about Miss Hughes being fired. And Aunt Viv, of course, is not going to stand for that. So she plans on going to the administration to find out what's going on. She ends up at the parent committee to discuss Miss Hughes firing. But the committee is not united. Some of them point out that Miss Hughes has been violating the curriculum policy uh, multiple times. We saw that in the first episode. She has been sliding people books like, dear God, you told somebody to read um, Toni Morrison, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Like, these are great uh art like these are great writers Puyo, are you familiar with tiny coats i am very uneducated when it comes to to books generally shame oh. to say it but it's true no 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 i i have one that you might like uh tiny hussy coats i believe did what the most recent or maybe like the one before it the most recent iteration of the black panther um, oh yeah like it's a graphic novel it's amazing it's the black panther but yeah tiny hussy coats uh he normally writes about race and and um and, you know and so does tony morrison obviously but i mean you know it's a like a black panther uh like graphic novel or comic for you know whatever everybody calls it um that's an easy <laughs> way to get like a uh, uh, introduction into tiny hussy coats so i do recommend that Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, I think it's like the Black Panther. I think it's literally called the Black Panther by Tana Hussey Coates, the Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda Part One Collection. Uh, so check that out wherever books are sold. I'm sure it's there. Um, and shout out to Tana Hussey Coates and, and Tony Morrison, the late Tony Morrison, of course. Um, but both these artists speak about race in their writings, and apparently that is what's frowned upon at this school. And although they say that there's nothing Aunt Viv could do. We know she ain't going to take that lightly. She ain't going to take that laying down. Her husband is Uncle Phil. You know what I'm saying? They got money and law on their side. They might be all right. Yeah, I think I think they'll be formidable opponent to this school. I really do. Um, I mean, you nailed what this issue was and what it was referencing to last week with, with mm-hmm. curriculums and 
with people being big mad over over you know teaching kids truths of what's going on in this in the society we live in today and this is the proof right there what i would love to know is who is olivia's parents that she has so much weight that's mm. what i want to know the words of one one student was enough to do this yeah, she probably her like got some big donor parents or something like that. You know, somebody who really gives to the school, maybe her the headmaster. I don't know, but it's got to be something like that because you would think a uh, one what fifth grader, third grader. I don't know how old Ashley is, but one she one just kid. turned thirteen. So what? Yeah, fifth grade grader, six, seven, sixth grade, yeah, at something most, like that. Yeah. Some middle school, yeah, she's in the middle school. So sixth grader, you know, I think all kids are the same. All kids, all kids are in third grade, but um, she's in sixth grade. You know, she. She she doesn't have this kind of pool unless she has that kind of pool. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't we can't um, control who her family is. So maybe there's something like that that could lead to more conflict moving forward. Uh, so when Ashley ends up going and asking and be like, you know, so how did it go? She confirmed that baby Karen was snitching on Miss Hughes for passing her out uh, unauthorized books, and then um, she says that someone needs to disrupt the system, and that Viv is just the person to do it. So. Um, it does feel like she's in the mood for a fight. I don't want to just drag in this random other storyline, but throughout this episode, we get a little pinch of the Aunt Viv and Reed Broderick nonsense, just a little bit. Do you think her beef with Reed Broderick is uh, is like coloring her situation here? Like, is this making her want to fight this even more? Because when Aunt Viv did go talk to Reed, he flaked on her for an art emergency, and I think that pissed her off. Yeah, I think I think, you know, she has some anger she wants to let out with Reed playing hooky and literally just evading the scene. She has to put that anger somewhere and she she feels like she an injustice has been put upon her work. She is seeing an injustice being put upon Miss Hughes work. If I can't fix mine, I'm a fix Miss Hughes work. And I think that's where that energy is being harnessed. Yeah, she leaving her with something. You know, she from around the way. She's going to make sure she get hers. Uh, yeah, Reed Broderick is trying to change the vision, Aunt Viv's vision, and she's ready to let him go. She went to, uh, I guess, his offices and told him, like, hey, I'm no longer in need of your services, Reed. But he wasn't even there. He stood her up for an art emergency, whatever that means. And so although, like, uh, I guess the administrative assistant or whoever that was at the office says, you should probably be telling him that you're no longer in need of his services in person. Like, y'all should sit down and talk about that. It's really hard to sit down and talk about somebody who has an art emergency. And so she just kind of like leaves the message with that woman and takes off. And so the Reed Project saga, like I said, it just gave us a, like a tiny piece of it. But I know that is about to come to a boiling point pretty soon. And yeah, I think that it it does feel like it's fueling at Viv's uh, like her her um her need to have a fight. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that, you know, this is going to only help the misuse situation. Yeah, I think, you know, Reed Broderick's now one of the what few people, if the only person that we have yet to see in this season who plays a part. So we'll see that come to a head probably soon. And I'm looking forward to it. But for now, I'll take I'll take this route we're taking instead. Yeah, and Carlton ends up hearing what Aunt Viv had to say about Miss Hughes, too. And that sparks his idea to go to the BSU, the Black Student Union, at the high school to talk about that situation now here's the thing 
Carlton knows he needs to be nominated for this uh this award for you know to get this uh big scholarship or whatever the case may be. Uh he needs to get nominated from that. And so he does need the people's votes. We know that Carlton has gone to the BSU before to get their votes when he was running for class president. Um and so I do kind of a little bit question Carlton's motives here when he goes to the BSU to bring attention to Miss Hughes firing because although she works at the middle school, she doesn't even work here at Bennett Academy. She just she works at the middle school and it does reflect on the high school students because they were once her students, a lot of them. Yeah. So now they're rallying to save her job. Uh, and he he says this is like the cause to show, you know, what the BSU can actually do, right? What the, uh, it's one of the few black teachers at the school. She's been fired. They need to stand for something. And here's their chance. And I was with him. I really was. I was like, okay, Carlton has a plan. He's about to go do the right thing. And then Will suggested they take it to the next level and do a protest. And while at first Carlton's in it, he quickly has second thoughts. And that's when I'm like, was he always in it? Or was this just kind of just like something he was using to rally the people so that he can get that nomination? This is Carlton we're talking about, right? So, of mm-hmm. course, I feel like he's always in it for himself first. And if it helps others, then cool. But first and foremost, me. Remember, Carlton got to the place he was by banking on the vote of the black students and then wasn't there for them and got reprimanded for it last week in front of everybody at the commu- uh, at the um, at the committee. Right. Mm. So. Who there was one person that was in the room who later on was like, I don't know if this is the best move for your for your future. And that was enough for him to be like, oh, you know what? Maybe my name shouldn't be attached to this. I re- I kind of regret it now. I, I got some votes, but at what cost? So, yeah, I think there's some uh, buyer's remorse here from old Carlton. Yeah, he goes to uh, the BSU with this plan and Will Will well, Will comes up with the plan to prote- protest, but the advisor of the BSU is the one who pulls on the side like, Carlton, you student body president. Do you really think a blackout or a black student walkout thing is um, the best for your prospects here, especially if that's your goal, right? Remember, because his goal is to get that award, we assume, um, and he's not going to get that if he's leading all the students. I mean, this is the same like I want to say like school system that just fired Miss Hughes for a critical race theory. They're not going to care about a blackout. That's not going to look good on your, on your resume, Carlton. So I really think that she was trying to give him some good advice for you. Yeah. I think ultimately this is a very, again, for Carlton, it makes the a, a world of sense, but he just ended up pulling the entire team together to stand for this very important thing. And they're all keen to do it. So I don't I think the train has left the station. I don't think he's going to be able to stop anything. And I don't think he can get in front of it fast enough to remove his name from it. I really don't. Yeah. Um, more on the Carlton situation for sure, because we actually don't get the protest. You know, like it didn't happen in this episode. And I really was expecting it to. So now I'm kind of questioning, like, is that for the next episode? I, I guess so. We shall, yeah, I guess we shall see. Um, so. Back to Will, he ends up sneaking out of the house or at least trying to sneak out the house to go kick it with Jackie at the after-hour spot she invited him to. Um, But he's spotted by Carlton, of course. Who knows? There's only one way out of the house without getting caught on camera, and Carlton would rather show him than to tell him. So, next thing we know, Carlton and Will are piling into the passenger seats of Jazz's car and are on their way to the after-hour spot in South Central L.A. Jazz warns them both against drinking and getting into trouble, which I think is pretty cool like, from the older homie to be like, you know, uh, and like, y'all kids still, stop it. Um, and so they get there, and then Jazz goes and does his thing in the sea of partygoers in the club. 
Will is paying attention to Carlton, uh, you know, while all this is going on. And he's in an unusually good mood, I'd say. He's entertaining two women, which is cool for Carlton. Do your thing, buddy. But when Will asks how he's doing, Carlton says, it's all good, but not in like a believable way. And I started to remember, you know, the meds. And I know Aunt Viv and Uncle Phil told him that he could come off of it tomorrow. But it, but it kind of looks like he came off of it tonight. Like, it, it doesn't seem like he's the normal Carlton, or at least the one that we saw last episode. I mean, the last episode we saw Carlton that was too shy to even look at Yasmin's way, was too shy uh, to talk to Yasmin. Suddenly, my guy has enough courage to not be dancing with one but two women at a party. And it feels like Will was gone for like four minutes tops. Like one mm -hmm. song had not finished. His dance with Jackie had not finished. And he goes and finds Carlton. And Carlton's energy he is way too hyped up to be on the same level he was when he left that car, which is crumb number two for me, mm. Chappelle. Mm. What yeah. did Carlton take at said party? That is my question, because I feel like he took something, whether it was a shot, whether it was, you know, a cheeky, cheeky pill, whether it was mm. cheeky something for the nose. I don't know. It's all speculative at this point, but I agree with you. He seemed way too chipper to the energy he had earlier and last episode right I, I understand being happy that you can come off your meds a little bit they just lowered the doses though like they didn't yeah this was not like you didn't win the lottery kid slow down um so yeah he's either completely off the meds altogether it just kind of you know maybe like having a manic moment maybe it's that book of sugar i'm sorry the anxiety medicine from season one um I'm assuming we'll find out soon enough, but he does give Will enough information for Will to be like, all right, I, I think he's okay for now. Uh, and because of Will, of course, wants to get information about Doc, but uh, he's trying to get this information out of Jack and D Jackie is making him work for it by spending a little time with her. Uh, they're silly dancing out on the dance floor, which is on brand for the original Will Smith in the Freshman's Bel Air. Like nobody dances as goofy as Will Smith in that show. Um, and so there's a lot of that in here. It's a fun scene to watch. But mid-dance, just as Will and Jackie are getting close, she separates from him and tells him that her uncle is behind him. And this is when we find out that Doc is her uncle. Puya, you almost had it. Very close. I'll take it, though. It was in the family. It makes sense because, again, why would Jackie know anything enough to, to you know, be able to help with Doc? So this makes sense. It was weird that I loved when Will is being taken away by Doc and then looks over and says, what the fuck, Jackie? What was that? Like, you didn't, you didn't tell me anything. It was He felt entrapped a little bit, which is true. And he immediately thought that Doc was going to be mad that he was, you know, cozying up next to Jackie there. And Doc doesn't seem to care at all. And again, we're talking about red flags. We questioned shenanigans with the Jackie situation, right? Uh, at least I did. I said, why is this woman, you know, uh, like, why is she interested in Will? I think you brought it up. And then I started to make my wheels turn. Like, uh, is she setting him up? Because she does get him to the after hour spot, right? And I, look, Puy, I've been partying a long time typically not at the same bars as my as my uncle you know like it's just not something that i do on purpose for sure and if it ever happens on accident i'm probably gonna leave and so it's just like <laughs> you know like there's probably an age gap like this is his niece allegedly i'm sorry booyah this just screams like you know he's being set up i feel like there's no coincidence that will have got like called jackie to talk about doc got lured to uh, a bar in South Central and Doc just had to be there prepared to talk business. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I'm with you. If if any of my family members that are older <laughs> than me 
uh, including Cousins, are at a spot, I'm probably not going to stick around at that spot. I'm going to go find another spot to, to be in. So that is interesting from Jackie. But yeah, what is this after hours place that's got a dance floor and a lounge and is massive and there's people all over the place? How did Jazz and, sorry, not Jazz, Will and Carlton get in? Is there no ID process? Do you just walk mm-hmm. in? But then it's clearly special enough that not everyone knows. I have so many questions about all this. I really do. Yeah, I just think this is like, I think it's a little too, a little too cute. You know, it's all happening so fast. Doc ends up pulling him to the side and asking why a D1 prospect from Philly would end up in Bel Air. He tells Will that Bel Air, the Bel Air Bulldogs, basically, you know, uh, Bel Air Academy's basketball team, is making him soft. Uh, no scouts are checking for him. Uh, no one's coming to see him play. I mean, Doc is the only one we've seen, you know, so far. And we saw that he met Will out and playing street ball. Um, but he does tell Will that he will consider, uh, like, if that if Will will consider playing in a different arena, you know, he might have a better outcome than playing for Bel Air Bulldogs. Now, he starts talking about AAU basketball. He says Will could do both teams. He could play for Bel Air. He could also do the AAU. But he deserves like to have the attention on him, you know, like this will is a star and they should be looking at him. He also noticed, like he also mentioned NIL deals. Puyo, are you familiar with the NIL situation? No. Okay. So the college NIL uh, sports in the situation is like, there's been a debate in education for years about like, should college athletes get paid for their likeness uh, and for the right, money? Right. Cause they, they did make, it. Right. 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 Or they don't. So, yeah, so for years, players could have jerseys sold for the team. They could be in video games, and they make the school tons of money, right? Because they're using these people's likeness the entire time. Um, but schools weren't paying the students. So the students would be like maybe at school on scholarship or maybe working or maybe both, uh, but they wouldn't see any of the millions and millions of dollars that these schools made, like these schools would make off of them. Even championships, if you think about it, college athletes play basketball for the glory of winning, right? They don't get a bonus because they win a championship. They just don't. And this is like every sport, soccer, uh, tennis, whatever the case may be, you win, you get a trophy. You know, the school is getting money, you know, for these championships. They're being able to uh, hold these championships up high and say like, this is the reason why you could come to the school. I think people like to send people to the school. Donors and sponsors like to come through the schools because of the accomplishments of those students. So eventually people started to say, well, why aren't the students getting paid? There are so many poor athletes. And I, uh, if you're listening to this, I implore you to go um, look up on YouTube uh, Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman is a, a, I think he's still currently playing football. I could be wrong. But he's a, a, a football player. He used to play for the Seattle Seahawks, cornerback. Uh, he yeah. he was, um, I think he went to Princeton or Stafford, Stanford, something like that. He was not one of those schools. I should probably look that up. I won't lie on him. But anyway, uh, he goes to the league or whatever, and he talks about um, the past where he was in school. And Richard Sherman is a like maybe a potentially Hall of Fame quarter. I mean, uh, um, cornerback one day. Like he one day will probably be like one of the well known names of American football uh, because he already is right. But when he was in college, he was at Stanford and he was poor. He was on scholarship, but that wasn't enough to feed him. You know what I'm saying? Scholarship took care of the classes, uh, took care of maybe some books and stuff like that. But he worked the whole time he was in school. So this man is a college athlete at a very prestigious school, but also working full time. 
and uh, like trying to have a real life, you know. And so it, it's hard to study and keep up with your, uh, your, you know, with being an athlete as as is. But then to also add the fact that like he's also working, basically, uh, it's so hard. And he speaks about the, how the struggles that college athletes have because people think that it's so easy for them a lot of times. And don't get me wrong, it is sometimes. You know, sometimes the schools make it very easy for student athletes to uh, succeed because they need them to play, but. In June of 2021, the Supreme Court unanimously ruled against the NCAA uh, in this case, uh, like I think it's like NCAA versus Austin or whatever, that the NCAA could not limit education-related payments to student-athletes. Um, so that's when the NCAA then deferred to state laws on NIL and in states that hadn't passed the laws in the schools themselves. So two things happened. Uh, there is like no pay-for-play and no quid pro, uh, pro quo you know, um, athletes weren't supposed to receive compensation tied to performance and recruits weren't supposed to sign deals contingent on going to a certain school. That being said, now the NIL is kind of like, uh, it's like where you could get money off of um, partnerships and endorsements. Like you can start to make money off of the efforts that you're putting into the school. And so that's where I'm thinking maybe we're looking at with the doc thing, right? Because if Will is now a, a, a potential college athlete who could make money off of playing college ball, not just, you know, putting himself through school, but actually be lucrative with somebody as like a manager, you know, a manager going to try to get 10, 12%, you know what I'm saying? So maybe he's looking at this as a potential money grab, you know, uh, now that we have this NIL thing going, can I benefit from that as his agent, as his manager, as his recruiter, as his scout, as his mentor? That's where I'm thinking this is going, Puyo. Yeah, no, I think so too. And I'm very happy that you explained that further because I had known that college athletes couldn't, you know, monetize their likeness and were bound to, you know, the school benefiting from everything. And I felt like I had heard that it had been changed up a little bit. So I'm glad to hear that. But yeah, I mean, that is an intriguing thing to a to a 17, 18 year old, right? You're being told, I can get you money. And, and you know, we learned from Will last episode, while he may be back at the banks's, he wants to be independent, right? He was getting these random wads of money from basketball. He would like bigger wads, and he can't achieve that if he goes down this path and if Doc can lead him there. Yeah, and Doc says, you only got to quit school, baby. I got you. Just you do AAU, you do Bel Air at the same time. It's all good. But playing basketball for two different teams while trying to be in school is going to be difficult. I just know it. So I feel like maybe that's where some of the conflict is going to come because there's no way Will is going to be able to manage school and two different basketball teams uh, at the level that Will would like to play at um, and not have some type of conflict. So I'm thinking that maybe this is the this is the long con. This is why Jackie is pushing Will toward Doc because one day, they got the dollar signs in their eyes. They could see themselves making some money off of him. Um, so that's my theory. And I guess we will find out later on if I'm on to something. Um, but this conversation with Doc really does kind of spark something in Will as well. Um, because uh, he ends up going to Carlton and telling him, like, you know, not only are we going to protest, but also West Philly Will is back. And Although I completely support you in this protest, you got to watch what I do out here on the basketball court because it's about to get real. So um, we see Will have a conversation with Tyler, who, you know, basically tells Will, come on back. You know, like, I know you quite quit, but it's time. You know, we need to play. Um, 
So at the game, Will puts on a clinic, and he completely decimates the other team. By the end of the game, they're up by 15 points, so the coach dials up some offensive plays to get some of the other players involved in the game more. But this time, Will completely ignores the coach and puts on a flashy display of balling, and this is what Kobe would do, right? So nobody argues with a winner, as Doc says, and he's watching from the crowd, very happy to see this unfold. Doc finally reveals at the end of the episode that he does have AAU connections, and Will could benefit from those connections but uncle phil who's watching the game from a distance comes over to introduce himself to doc and remind doc that if he wants to talk to will he has to go through uncle phil and Aunt Phil first puya it's been two episodes far so far um i really think that like you 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 called it i think that uncle phil versus doc is going to be a thing but i just don't know like how serious this gets knowing that ultimately yeah, Will can make his own money, but Uncle Phil is still filthy rich, right? Like, he, they, whatever money that they're trying to make off of Will, they would make way much more money exploiting Uncle Phil. So I really don't know if, like, Will is the end game or if they're still trying to get to Philip Banks. Well, I think I think Uncle Phil, without realizing, walked into Doc's trap because mm-hmm. I think Doc knows the connection he's made with Will now. He literally told Will to, you know, Go back to your Philly roots and like bring them into the game and watch it work. And, you know, Will literally is putting up numbers. They're ahead by 15 and Will's dunking on them, which I'm, mm. I know you're not supposed to do. It's a little no. disrespectful. Will, you didn't need to do them like that. But Will is now going to be riding this high and is going to he's been filled with these promises that he can get to. And Uncle Phil is now getting involved. I don't think it's kind of like when your parents say, do not, you are not allowed, you're forbidden from seeing that friend or that girlfriend or whoever. That's only going to make you want to do it more and be sneaky about it. So this could be a long con where, yeah, we can either go get the money with Will or the more likely situation out of nowhere. Uncle Phil's like, you know what? Here's some money. Leave my, leave my nephew alone. Oh yeah, that guy. I was thinking maybe they like maybe they're gonna try to like I don't know manipulate Uncle Phil, but definitely just uh, p- p- put himself in a situation where he's just gonna pay you off is also probably good business too. So I don't know. I think Doc might be making some money moves here, but we are uh, we'll see that later on. Uh, the last storyline, of course, uh, is about Hillary and Jazz. So uh, throughout the episode, we see various moments where Hillary and Jazz are kind of dealing with their newfound relationship that we saw started last episode when Ivy started to push up on Jazz and Hillary finally said that she was feeling him and that she wanted him to be her man. So at Jazz's record store, we see him enjoying some Tupac and wearing this uh, FUBU jersey, which, I mean, was immaculate FUBU jersey, but I didn't know that was back. Um, I Hillary... haven't seen one of those in, in mm. decades. <laughs> hey, been he minute. wore it. Yeah, it was icy. I'm not gonna lie to you, but I it definitely caught me off guard. Look, Jazz is a is a suave guy. He got he got it. If anybody can pull Chappelle, it off, it's him. Hmm? Can I tell you something? Can I have tell you a new working theory? You know how in the first season I kept saying you were the Carlton. Yeah, I no longer believe that. Oh, I yeah, think you are the Jazz. Oh yeah, word. Yeah, I think you're the Jazz. He's got style. You've got style. He's got uh, good music taste. You've got music taste. And the the big one is. I could 100% seeing you get completely fooled by a sandwich and just oh, yeah. <laughs> like two bites of a sandwich. Like, you know what? Here's my keys, my car, my wallet. Take it all. Uh, this is great. I'm in. 
Oh yeah, Jazz stand up. This is the second episode I have to say this. Jazz stand up. <laughs> Damn. Like Hillary shows up to drop him off lunch, and she's looking all good, and she's got the lunch, and it's a tofu chicken sandwich. So you already kind of, you already got me kind of like, mm, I don't know about tofu. Like I, I like real chicken on my chicken sandwich. But I agree. But I, I trusted Jazz. Jazz looked like he liked it, so I think I would have taken a bite. I would have tried it out. Yeah, for sure. And uh, from what we understand about Hillary is that she can really cook, and so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure this almost chicken salad was, uh, I mean, chicken sandwich was pretty good. Um, but she has uh, this look on her face that says, I'm kind of looking for something more than this. And it turns out she wants to borrow his 64 Impala to use in her, in her promotion for the content house that she has with Ivy. Her and the crew are making a video and she knows she would look good behind the wheel of this car. So now that they're in a relationship, Puya, Jazz gives in and tells Hillary she could take it for a spin. Before he changes his mind, he is a better person than me. Tell me more. Why? I'm not letting nobody borrow my car. It's just not happening. And a 64 Impala, and it was a nice car. Like, I drive a Ford F-150. It's a huge truck, and I'm still like, I don't know about letting anybody drive it. And then him and Hillary have been together roughly a day and a half, from what we can tell. Yeah. You know, like, and <laughs> he says it in this episode. He's put out some some posts about them being together. She has not reciprocated, so he's still like, What's the holdup? Was it just for Ivy? Was it just for show? Like, what are you? What are we doing here? Um, I was floored that he fully caught that she was trying to get something out of him with the sandwich. Proceeded to still let it happen, and then got upset about it. I was like, "Bro, it's on you! You you let the tofu sandwich take over. You let that happen. A sandwich? Were there yeah. sides? Uh, there was you, a can, but were there sides? Were there, were there curly fries involved? Because that I need." To sweeten the yeah. pot. Puya, stop talking about food. You're making my, my mouth water. Stop it. You stop saying sandwich. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's me. I'm Jazz. Okay. So <laughs> the content creators pull up in Jazz's car while filming this reveal of their new crib. Uh, Ivy thinks it's a good idea if she's the one driving the car, even though Hillary told Jazz she would be the only one driving. But Jazz, of course, pulls up right in time with flowers, just as Ivy is driving the car for the video and makes them all get out the car, obviously. He's upset about Ivy using his car, but he also has some underlying issues with the relationship between him and Hillary. Um, as you said, um, she only really went official with Jazz when Ivy was pushing up on him, but she also hasn't even posted about their relationship on Instagram. Hillary says she wants to maintain the illusion of attainability, but Jazz correctly points out that she wants to be official and not public. And then he says he's okay with that. Now, I again, Jazz, stand the hell up. But Puya, you are a content creator. Do you feel like there's some truth to what Hillary is saying here about the illusion of attainability? Are you yeah, more I mean, attractive if you're single? I brought this up last week that this could have been one of the reasons that Hillary's mm -hmm. preventing that. And it ended up being true. This yep. is 100% something you do see in the content creator space. Um, there are definitely streamers who have relationships who will hide them not because, you know, some of them could be like, you know, I'm a private person. I don't only share that. And that's completely fair. But then there are definitely ones that actively do not because there is a parasocial relationship with, with these content creator audience relationship skews parasocial many a time. And a lot of people, you know, do act that way. Think of it this way. Um, there is a trope in TV. There's a trope. I, when I was in high school, I saw it where... If a friend of mine was single, there's a billion comments from dudes on her pictures. Oh, my God, this, that, whatever. Classmates pulling up, this, that, whatever. They next put a photo with a guy, and there's like a heart emoji in the caption. There are 
eight comments now and two likes mm. because they're now like oh oh it's gone even though it's a ridiculous notion to be like oh i have a chance i feel like there are people out there in the world that believe they do enough that they will consume the content but then once they see that taken away they back out completely and and that's definitely the case i would say a lot more with uh female content creators than than men because you know it's just an unfortunate thing we see in the not what is a celebrity place but you know you know what i mean like content creator space where that attainability does lead to more because that what ifness that some people put in their stupid brains is enough for them to stick around um now if i'm jazz i'm hurt by this period because mm-hmm. i'm like you know screw them screw them your content speaks for itself your food that that sandwich was not chicken and i <laughs> took bites i liked it any woman that can get you eat tofu yeah, you gotta you gotta lock that one down. I don't blame Jazz for like trying to make this uh official, but also you gotta know your worth. And somebody wants to keep you in private, it's not great, and it definitely hurts a little bit. Um, but I get what you're saying about the uh the illusion of attainability because I mean, honestly, Puya, I haven't listened to Rihanna since the Super Bowl. I can't deal. You know, like, I mean, uh, you're your prime example. I saw the I, tweets Super Bowl I, night. You were not happy. I just feel like I should fight ASAP Rocky. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, she cheated on me once. She got pregnant. Fine. Twice? Rihanna. Okay, anyway. So, I I can't even. It's too hard. So, anyway. Rihanna, just call me. So, okay. <laughs> Hillary ends up putting some thought into what Jazz was saying and invites uh, him to lunch to apologize. He comes over to the crib and she offers to take their relationship to the next level. She's ready to tell their parents about them. And so... I don't think this is what Jazz had in mind when she said take it to the next level because he definitely was like, okay, what's, what are we about to do? Um, but it's impeccable timing because the doorbell rings and it's Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv who clearly were invited over here for lunch so that they could meet Jazz. They are shocked to see Jazz here, but Hillary says she thinks this is a good time for them to meet her boyfriend. And um, yeah, it was awkward AF, but I don't know. I, I couldn't get the vibe of how Aunt Viv's facial expression and Uncle Phil's facial expressions, like, I couldn't really pick up on, like, was it just, like, confusion? Was it confused approval? Was it disapproval? I really didn't know what to do with that, Puyo. Yeah, I don't know. They kind of yada yada it. I thought it was going to be a bigger deal. I thought meeting the, uh, being with Uncle Phil and, and Aunt Viv didn't seem to really like it. They were kind of surprised, but we didn't get more from it. We did not. I worry because i feel like this kind of went nowhere which is going to be indicative of this relationship not going anywhere and i want the uncle phil jazz relationship in some way shape or form i know we're not going to get the jazz getting kicked out of the bank's house that we Mm -hmm. would get in the fresh prince but i want it to be some and i right now it doesn't feel like it is and also to circle back to the uh, relationship dynamics i would probably assume that jazz isn't too happy with this i don't think he sees this as a substitute because at the end of the day, he's going to feel like you literally want to hide me from your work stuff that you do every day. Your family knowing, your parents knowing that we're together, that's great. But also, if they had said, don't be with him, you wouldn't break up with me probably. So, again, again, it's it's a complex situation when it comes to content creators. And I'm happy that this is a storyline because we can definitely talk about this more in the future depending on how the episodes go, because I can definitely bring up some stories that I've seen in the streaming space in the last year, year and a half that have been very wild. 
Oh, yeah, I love stories. So uh, we will get to that uh, as soon as it comes back up on the show. I do think that, yeah, you, you're right. They kind of just like grazed over the potential for, uh, you know, like uh, the parents don't approve situation or whatever. And honestly, I think that's kind of boring. I think that's been done so many times on, uh, you know, on um, dramas and sitcoms where you bring home the person, the parents don't approve. It's a whole running gag, but you stay with that person forever and eventually win the parents over. Like, I can name a billion examples of that. Kind of want something fresh, something new. And so, um, you know, maybe this might turn out okay. We've never seen Jazz and the Bankses have any conflict. So, there is the potential for, you know, some type of, you know, copacetic relationship, I think. Um, but Puya, that is our episode. Uh, and, you know, that concludes all of the uh, the, the the events of episode two. Uh, we have, of course, a full season of television. I get eight more weeks uh, left to talk about Bel Air. But overall, again, what did you think about this one? I enjoyed myself. We You mentioned the Tupac playing in the background at the record store earlier. when. We were at the basketball game at the end of the episode. I heard the beat. I was getting hyped up. I sat up. I was like, oh, my God, they're playing Nor. It wasn't Nor. They ended up playing Armani White. Bitch, I'm yeah. stylish. Glock Tuck, big T-shirt, Billy Eilish. <laughs> Billie Eilish. What yeah. a tune. It's great tune. So I was hyped. I was like, all right, love this. Again, I think they're nailing it with the soundtrack of the show. It really fits the show really well, and I do enjoy it. And... um. After talking about it with you more, it does feel like we moved everything, but there's still so much more to dive into. Things we're going to be looking out for that I'm keen on. What does Phil think of Doc in private? What are we going to hear him share with Ann Viv about Doc? What is he going to share with Will? On the other side of it, are we going to see Jeffrey's son? What's going to be the moving parts there? The Jazz and Hillary story... I think it's going to end with them being public or a big fight happening about it. Because also, we didn't really talk about this, but at the after hours, Jazz was dancing up with some girl as well, which I was like, okay, this is not the second time you've done this. If you are in it, in it, then you can't be doing this. You can't be doing this. It's so, a dance. It's harmless. Stop it. It's just a dance. You would say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sure jazz sure yeah it's like okay you would advocate for yourself of course of course get out of here um, and then i really am curious with the protest that's incoming in the school i want to see how that is i think that episode's going to be a very deep episode for us to discuss i just feel like that's coming so we'll see how that goes with the with the blackout and how we're going to how Belair's going to handle that and how we're going to handle it so we'll see and uh, please, please tell me that this isn't the last time we're going to see Miss Hughes. Ashley could not have just been here for two episodes, please. Yeah, it would it would suck for Tatiana Ali to leave. But again, this isn't about her. You know, we we had our uh, light skin at Viv appearance last season as well. Um, so you know, like they they like to sprinkle in our Easter eggs every now and then. So maybe she comes back, maybe she doesn't. Um, I'm assuming if they win this uh you know this war against critical race theory, then maybe she does. But um. You know, if not, it was good to have Tatiana Ali on our screen for the time being. Puya, where can the people find you? What do you have going on outside of these Bel Air streets? Well, like you mentioned at the top of the pod, you can find me on Twitter at Puya. You can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Puya. This is one of my busier months. I've got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of content. So you can come through, say hi. I would appreciate it. As far as podcasts go, this is also a very busy week for me. I've got 90 Day Fiance coming up with the Brian Scally. We're going to be talking about this latest episode. It should be a fun time. I've got the Big Brother Draft, BBCan11 on RHAP. 
We're going to be breaking all that down, picking the players for a feedless season, which I still do not know how we're going to have, but we'll Boo. we'll get there when we get there. Boo, tomato, tomato, mm-hmm. tomato, and tomato. And then Massinger <laughs> with Liana has been going strong. We finished the first group. We're about to meet group two this week, so that should be a lot of fun. The theme this week is going to be DC superheroes, so we'll see what that exactly entails. And then uh, lastly, Chappelle, I'm following in your footsteps. I'm going to be talking about Australian Survivor with Ooh. Rob Cesarino and Shannon Gus this week. So I'm excited. It's been a fun two episodes. I haven't seen the third one yet. It hasn't released, but I'll get to give my breakdowns. There should be a fun time. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear you talk about Australian Survivor, but I haven't seen the second one yet. So I got to get caught up. I just saw, I saw the first. You know, it happens. So anyway. Australian Survivor, check it out. It's been a great season. And check out, of course, Puya talking to Rob and Shannon about it because he's going to do amazing as usual. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, you know, my plugs are vast, but, you know, I'm still here. Um, So uh, this week I caught up with, or last week I caught up with Ariel on Poster Recaps to talk about this month in Grey's Anatomy on our podcast series called Grey's Anatomy's Anatomy. I'm also appearing on uh, Rob and Akivanita podcast this week. It should already be released by now, but we did the... um, best tv dads uh tournament bracket you know bracket tournament or whatever and so it's march madness and so we had to get into the dads that uh led us to this point in our in our lives whether we watched them on tv whether a cartoon animated dad uh dramas whatever the case may be trying to see who's the dad that stands at the top of the hill and so we had a great time myself rob akiva and jason reed on that podcast so please go check that out it was fun uh uncle phil's name did get dropped a couple times so go uh see that see how well he does in the bracket uh, also on Rob has a podcast network. Rob and I talked about the Chris Rock stand-up special, Selective Outrage, um, on Netflix, on our podcast, Nothing But Netflix. So, of course, if you have watched the Chris Rock stand-up special, you know that it's polarizing. You know that it is uh, being highly talked about on Netflix. And so, of course, Rob and I had to do it, too. We had our podcast released one day after it was released. Talking about It came out 9, 9 o'clock uh, p.m. my time live. And by... Uh, 10 o'clock a.m. Uh, we were recording the podcast. So we did a really quick turnaround on that one, but I think it was a good podcast. So check it out and uh, and let us know what you think, uh, you know, at nothing but RHAP on Twitter to give us some feedback about that one. Uh, on Silent Pod, I'm going to oh, post your recaps. I'm sorry. Uh, Gia Worthy and I just released another recap of the two most recent episodes of Abbott Elementary for our podcast, Abbott Elementary A Post Show Recap here on Post Show Recaps. So uh, check that out as well. Also on Post Show Recaps, as y'all know, Still talking about Snowfall with Mari Fourth and Latanya Starks. Latanya couldn't be with us last week, so Mari and I held it down. Um, so check that out and subscribe to our podcast, The Connect on Post Show Recaps. That's where we hide all the black shows. I think I'm going to slip Bel Air on there too, Puya. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. And then, of course, I guessed it on New Girl, Old Guy podcast this week with uh, Rob, I'm sorry, with Akiva and Ali Lasher. Uh, and so that podcast should be released uh, sometime tomorrow, if not in the next couple of days. Uh, so check that out. Ali has to do some editing because I did get, I acted a little bad on that podcast so she got to cut some stuff out um but it, it was fun so uh check it out for sure and then of course i just did the survivor feedback show with rob says you know where we just kind of had a fun time talking about all this the fun stuff in this week in survivor it was a great time i totally enjoyed myself talking about uh the, you know season 44 of survivor with rob and so uh if you are a fan of survivor or just a fan of me check me out at any of those locations and any of those podcasts and follow me on twitter at Chappelle's underscore show Follow Puya at Puyaism 
on Twitter and uh, at twitch.tv slash Puya. Keep up with all the stuff we're going, we got going on. He's got his goose goose duck going on every week uh, on Sundays. Check it out. It's fun. You get to see all these podcasts. That, I mean, like pretty much everybody I just name dropped in some capacity or another at various times um, popping in, you know, to play goose goose duck on Twitch with Puya. So it's always a good time. So until next time, once you listen to all those podcasts and you checked out the Twitch, Come see us next week when we talk about Bel Air Season 2, Episode 3. Until then.